1: recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Saturday, March 31st, 2018, the very last day of the month of March, and welcome to episode number 99 of the WWS Radio Network's weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Once again, I am Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you, as we, of course, will be doing, as we always do, a recap of all of our shows here in the radio network here this week. Uh, also, we want a little bit of a twist here, folks. As we will um, in our wrestling history here today, uh, we're going <clears throat> we're going to uh, <clears throat> uh, right right after our recap, we're actually going to review a couple of uh, of WrestleManias that actually are in our wrestling history, which we'll be bringing in here to you in just a few moments, uh, giving us our own personal opinion about each and each match and each uh, <clears throat> and each happening that occurred at both of these. Uh, Fine pay per views. Plus, also we'll be bringing you some wrestling news tidbits here for the day today. Uh, here, here on with me this afternoon is, of course, the Iceman JD Jared Alamo. JD, the 2015 and 17 WWS Hall of Famer, and also part of the team that brings you WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoot.com. And on our chat box for today is a recently infected 2018 WWS. Hall of Famer. He is the rattlesnake Anil Patel here uh, on our chat box this afternoon, and I do welcome both uh, J.D. and Anil to episode number 99, one episode away from the century mark of WWS Power Hour.
0: One from 100. And yes, folks, however, we don't wear white hats, however. We don't play nice either. Well, we do. Uh But there's some we don't, though,
1: shall we say. There you go. That's it. If you want to join us, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, for every, for everything we are going to discuss here today on number 99 of Power Hour, please feel free to give us a call, one 724 call ID 141-364-POUND, and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we will be talking about here this afternoon. Let's go ahead and not waste any time here, folks. Let's get right on into it. First off, as we start off with our wrestling history and birthdays here, for today <clears> um, uh March the thirty first. Um let's see what we have right here. Let's see what we have right here on tap. Uh thirty let's see. let's see this again, yes. Right. Thirty-three years ago today, nineteen eighty five. Uh WWF Rest the very first WrestleMania, the Madison Square Garden in New York City. <clears throat> 19,121 fans were in attendance, with 398,000 homes watching on closed-circuit television. At the time, it was the most-watched event in closed-circuit television history. Match ratings are from Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, as recorded in the Internet Wrestling Database. Ratings are out of a possible five stars. And here are the matches that took place here at the very first WrestleMania. Dio Santana defeated The Executioner by submission. This match was was rated 2.5 out of 5 stars. King Kong Bundy defeated S.D. Jones, uh, no stars uh, out of 5 for this match. Ricky Steamboat defeated Matt Bourne, 3.25 out of 5. David San Martino and Brutus Beefcake fall to a double countout, 2 out of 5 stars. JYD defeated Greg Valentine by countout in an Intercontinental title match. 0.5 0.5 out of 5 stars. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheet, with Freddie Blassing in their, in their corner, defeated the U.S. Express, Mike Rotundo, and Barry Windham to win the WWF Tag Team titles, 1 out of 5 stars. Andre the Johnny defeated Big John Studd in a $15,000 body slam match. Had Andre lost, he would have been forced to retire, 3 out of 5 stars there. Wendy Richter defeated Leilani Kai to win the women's title, Negative two out of five And Hulk Hogan and the team of Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, featuring Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, former heavyweight boxing champion Muhammad Ali was the special enforcer. No rating in this uh, for this match, which was constant. Yes, hmm. yes, indeed. Excuse me. Once and just had to take care of a bit of a bit something here. Twenty-nine years ago today, which would put it at, let me see here, 1989, yes, that's right, in Atlanta, Georgia, Sting defeated Mike Rotunda to win the NWA World TV title and also $10,000. I remember this is on the Steam DVD they put yep. out recently. Is a very good match. Twenty-four years ago today, which would put it at 1994. I do see. Yeah, that's right. In Sheffield, England, the Quebecers Jacques and Pierre defeated Men on a Mission Mo and Mabel to win the WWF Tag Team Titles. Just two days after losing the titles in London. Twenty-two years ago today, put it at 1996. W- WWF, WWF presented WrestleMania 12 from the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California. 18,853 were in attendance with 290,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's down from 340,000 for WrestleMania 11. The show actually had two hooks. The first televised 1-hour Iron Man match in WWF history where the person who scored the most falls at the end of the hour would be the winner. And the return of the Ultimate Warrior, who was last seen in the who was last in the WWF in November of 1992. And here are the matches that took place at WrestleMania <clears throat> WrestleMania 12. In a pre-show free-for-all match, the Body Donnas Skip and Zip defeated the Godwins Henry, Henry and Phineas to win the vacant WWF Tag Team titles. Camp Cornett, Vader, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog defeated Yokozuna, Jake Roberts, and Ahmed Johnson. Had Camp Cornette lost, Yokozuna would have gotten five minutes alone with Jim Cornette. This match was rated 2.5 out of five stars. Give me for just one second. Second here. Uh, Don't cole Steve Austin defeated Salvia Vega. This match was rated two out of five stars. The Ultimate Warrior defeated Hunter Hurst Helmsley. This was Warriors' first match for the WWF since leaving the company in ninety-two. This match did not receive any stars at all, zero out of five. The Undertaker defeated Diesel. This match was rated two point two five out of five stars. Roddy Piper vs. Goldust ended in a no contest in a Hollywood backlight brawl. In a side nugget, portions of the match featured footage from the infamous low-speed chase involving Los Angeles Police and O.J. Simpson from June of 1994. This match did not receive a rating at all. Shawn, and of course, Shawn Michaels defeated Bret Hart 1-0 in a one-hour Iron Man match to win the WWF title. The score was tied at zero when the time expired, but then-WWF President Gorilla Monsoon ordered a sudden death overtime to determine the winner. This match received 4.25 out of 5 stars. And ladies and gentlemen, before I go any further with the wrestling history here for today, I do have a little bit more here, but I do have to step away for just one second. I'm going to let J.D., uh, like I said, J.D. wants to talk a few things here about these past two WrestleManias here uh, while uh, while I had to step away for just a moment. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and proceed there, and I will be right back. Go ahead, JD. All right, no
0: problem. and while we're doing that, folks, however, before we get into the WrestleMania 1 and 12 uh, timeline, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, we want to remind you that this Monday, Raw Radio will be a very special one indeed. However, we hope you don't eat too much chocolate. We don't need, hope you don't eat too much glazed ham, however, and uh, let's just stay. Do that, however, but this Monday we will be talking about TakeOver, we will be talking about the Masters Golf Tournament, we will be talking about the Final Four Championship ball game, and we will talk about WrestleMania. So be sure to check that out with Anel, myself, John, Fonzie, and the rest of the gang on Raw Radio this coming Saturday at 3 p.m. until 5 p.m. It will be a very special, very unique edition of Raw Radio this week, ladies and gentlemen. So, folks, it promised to be a very, very exciting show. So, folks, you might want to stay tuned to that coming up this week. It is going to be epic to say the least. And of course the call ID is one three eight seven four four pound in case you're curious. And that gets underway just after three o'clock this coming Monday, as we do each and every Monday, ladies and gentlemen, here on Talk Shoe. Now, to talk about WrestleMania. The first time I remember watching WrestleMania, I was only ten years old, but I remember this. Somewhat very well, however, watching very little of it as a youngster. Now I can safely say I have the first five WrestleManias in a box set, Howard, and I can tell you. I can go back and watch this, and I know I'll be watching this later today. I'll, I mean, considering it is the anniversary and everything like that. But let's talk about the matches if we can, how, and give you our thoughts here about this uh, memorable show. Of course, uh, the first uh, thing I remember about that show, obviously, of course, was the great announcing. I mean, you had Gorilla Monsoon, of course, the late, great Geno Morella, and, of course, uh, Jesse Ventura calling the action from ringside, sort of what, like, Bob Cottle and, of course, his uh, main guy did back in the day, none other than the great Gordon Sully, of course. You also had two backstage interview people, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund, of course, and the late, great Lordship, Lord Alfred Hayes, if you will. Well, WCW slash the NWA at the time, you had a young Tony Schiavone, and of course you also had a very young uh, female who was uh, calling uh, Florida Championship Wrestling at the time, Barbara Clareby. Of course, the difference was Starrcade would be held on Thanksgiving night, 1983 in the legendary Greensboro Coliseum. And, uh, of course, we know Greensboro was very famous for many things over the years. However, of course, hosting great events while in the WWE world. However, they were doing this show in one of the most famous arenas in all of the world, Madison Square Garden, in front of a pretty big house of 19,120. Now, prior to that, however, we had seen what had happened one month before, however, at the war to settle the score. But we'll talk about that as we go along, ladies and gentlemen, here in our recap segment. Having said that, let's get into the action right now, ladies and gentlemen, and tell you what happened in our first match of the night, however. And before we did that, we had Mean Gene Okerlund sing the national anthem. And, of course, the comment by uh, Jesse Ventura saying, you know, he seems like Robert Goulet uh, was very unique, in saying we would see five years later, of course, Robert Goulet sing both the national anthem and O Canada in front of a packed crowd of 68,000 at the legendary Skydome, which, by the way, tomorrow it would have been... 28 years ago, WrestleMania Six was held in Toronto at the legendary Sky Dome, now known as the Rogers Center. Of course, the big match, of course, was Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. And, of course, we'll talk more about those dates and other things coming up up on Monday on Raw Radio. But anyway, let's get to the ring. Our first match of the night, former WWF IC champion Tito Santana against the Masked Man, the Executioner. Of course, the Executioner, as I said before, uh, was known... Uh, throughout the circles as Playboy Buddy Rose. Of course, Buddy Rose was, again, again, off-again, on-again type guy, however, in the WWE, but would make a bigger splash, of course, in the AWA territory when teaming up with a young man named Pretty Boy Doug Summers and being managed by one of the most unique females of the time, uh, Sherry Martell. But at this time, Buddy Rose was a very unique guy considering uh, what his career was like, however, mind you, of course, it was crazy, however, but go figure. Santana, of course, was coming off a tough loss of his own, however, mind you, considering, however, the previous September, however, he had lost the IC title to one Greg the Hammer Valentine, who was, of course, one of the few big names on this show, however, that competed not only in Starcade, but also at the very first WrestleMania. Anyway, Santana ends up winning the matchup here with the figure four, however, and i got to say, not a bad way to start out the show, however, Uh, considering that uh, Santana would be featured, however, on quite a bit of WrestleMania over the next eight years, if you will. He would change his gimmick at one time to be a bullfighter known as El Matador, but on this night, however, he was just regular Tito Santana. Surprisingly, this wasn't a bad way to start out the show. It got the crowd a little buzzing, if you will, considering Santana was fighting near his hometown, if you will, and as a result, he would take on Buddy Rose. Sad to say, unfortunately, Buddy Rose, of course, would come back in the early 90s in the WWE, but, of course, never regain the uh, fan support, sad to say. But even though he was a good part-time wrestler, however, for the WWE, his bigger claim to fame would be, of course, later on in the decade when he would go off to compete in the AWA in tag team division and also Portland wrestling, if you will, where he would take on guys like Roddy Piper, Matt Bourne, and others. Speaking of unique, however, we go to our second match of the night, however. King Kong Bundy. Yes, folks. King Kong Bundy, who two weeks before had made his debut on Championship Wrestling, uh, was managed by one Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart, taking on an on-again, off-again, part-time jobber as well in the form of Special Delivery Jones, who, of course, we would see throughout the 80s on a lot of television shows along with a bunch of other jobbers. But on this night, however, King Kong Bunny showed how big and tough he was by basically squashing poor SD and cracking his rib in the process. However, in a record nine seconds. Nine seconds pulling of course. Later on in the year, Bundy would go on to be managed by Bobby Heenan as Jimmy Hart traded him off to uh, Bobby Heenan, if you will. But uh, talking about a big, big uh, impact early on in WrestleMania lore history, how our King Kong Bundy showed why he was just that big and tough, if you will, considering he was coming from a lot of territories, most notably, I believe he was working world-class championship wrestling at the time and also Memphis wrestling. Speaking of unique, however, here's one of our Star Cave guys, however, who two years before now was making his first ever WrestleMania debut in the form of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, if you will, who actually made his debut three weeks before this actually took place, however, mind you, however, on a TV taping, however, defeating the Brooklyn brawler Steve Lombardi, believe it or not, however, in upstate New York. He would take on a guy, of course, who we mentioned, of course, about Portland Wrestling Hour, who would later go on to disguise himself as Doink the Clown, if you will, and be recognized that way. And, of course, his father was a tough guy in his own right, known as tough Tony Bourne, if you will. Yes, folks, it was the maniac, Matt Bourne, who tried to mimic a lot of people in the mid-'80s. Sad to say, he would not be around much longer after this in the WWE, but would return several years later. He would also, uh, for a brief time in the early-'90s, of course, known as Big Josh, a lumberjack Howard, who tried to get over with the WCW NWA audience and he had some mild success at that but on this night, however, Bourne tried to show uh, his arrogance to the young uh, upstarting competitor, the Dragon, who of course would not make a big splash until a few years later but would start to get recognized by the fans on this day as a result however, the Dragon definitely uh, came through by uh, coming up with a big win, if you will if you will, and in fact, however, Bourne also, like I said, would hang in the company until the middle of the following year and then, of course, decide to show up, if you will, and go off elsewhere. But nevertheless, however, not a bad match here between Steamboat and the maniac, Matt Bourne. Up next, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes, folks, the barber, of course, with his legendary manager, Johnny Valiant, if you will, who's a good friend of my father's, of course, took on Pittsburgh's own Bruno, San Martino, and son David. This was originally supposed to be a tag match, however, a few weeks before the match even took place, but at the last minute, they pulled it off the card and figured a one-on-one match would be better. Um, This was okay, but really, it wasn't that great. I thought it could have been a lot better. Steamboat, of course, or not Steamboat, excuse me, San Martino uh, was not quite the big name yet, however, like his father, and sad to say, shortly a year later, Howard would find himself on the outs with WWE and Vince McMahon, along with his father, the legendary Bruno, for a long time. Beefcake, of course, would not become a big name until a few months after this, when he would start teaming up with a young man who would be in our next match, however, and together they would win the WWE Tag Team titles, however, later on that summer of 85. Having said that, I thought this was not one of the better matches on the card, and I think it kind of went too long, it was too long, uh, dragging on, if you ask me, as it was somewhat okay, but not really all there, if you ask me. Next, we have JYD. Yes, the Juker himself, the JYD, of course, taking on the man who, of course, teamed up with Beefcake, if you will, and as a result of the time, the man who, of course, had won the IC title, if you will, and also another NWA legend, if you will, who had come by way earlier Uh, The previous September, however, mind you, the Hammer, Greg Valentine was looking to hold on to that title, if you will, after winning from Tito Santana, if you will, in late September of 84. As a result, he ended up defeating, of course, thought he had defeated the JYD, but when Tito Santana came out to argue with the referee, Dick Kroll, however, that Valentine cheated, Valentine went into a rage. As a result, Valentine, who was also managed by Jimmy Hart at the time, however, was upset. Santana stuck his nose where it didn't belong. And continued. They would continue their feud, however, that would carry over into the summer of 85. And one of the better matches I think you'll ever see Valentine and uh, Santana encounter was in July of that year in a steel cage match in Baltimore that was very, very bloody and very, very good, to say the least between the two. Not as good as one of the matches that would be a big impact later in the year between Magnum T and Tully Blanchard, but pretty close to it, if you ask me. Anyway, uh, JYD then got the reverse decision, and as a result, however, he won the match but did not win the title away from Valentine. And as we said, Valentine would drop the title here a couple months after this. Speaking of titles, the first title change in WrestleMania history would be up next, however, as the man who at one time held the WWF World's title, however, teamed up with a big Russian, however, and yes, folks, we're talking about everyone's favorite Jabroni, baby, the Sheik. Yes, folks, Iron Sheik, baby, one of my favorite heels of all time teaming up with Nikolai Volkov with Freddie Blassie, taking on the world's tag team champions of the U.S. Express, of Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Of course, prior to the bout, classy Freddie Blassie, who at one time managed Hulk Hogan, of course, told Mean Gene Okerlund he had the next tag team champions right there in front of him, considering Rotundo and them had won the titles earlier in the year, from um, Adrian Adonis and Dirty Dick Murdoch. Unfortunately, however, the Sheik and Volkoff pulled off the upset, thanks to a little distraction from the Sheik's cane, if you will, however, and as a result, however, Sheik and Volkoff did win the belts, but did drop the belts, however, a few months later, however, and then, of course, uh, they would get uh, They would uh, try to go after the belts again Unfortunately however That was not the case here on this uh, uh, Day That's, They are referring to Wyndham and Rotundo Unfortunately Wyndham did get into an argument with Vince Following the setback later on in the year And leave for the NWA. While Rotundo would stick around for a little longer and teaming up with a young man by the name of Dangerous Danny Spivey, or the Golden Boy Danny Spivey, if you will, shortly after this. While Rotundo, of course, would then shortly there uh, stick around for a while and stay around in the WWE before he, too, would go off to the NWA. But, of course, Wyndham was not very happy of losing the titles in late August of this year, but that's beside the point. Sheik and Volkov did, thanks to Blassie, however, pull off the fast one here, despite the anger of the fans here, and despite the Sheik, of course, degrading the fans, and Nikolai Volkov singing the Russian National Anthem, however, in which he was have garbage thrown upon him, and Sheik starts spitting on everyone, however, became the new WWF Tag Team Champions for the first time, and only time in their brief history, if you will. Next, we talk about big men. How are you got big man here? And Andre the Giant, ladies and gentlemen, yes, the big seven foot four, four hundred ninety five pound monster from France took on Big John Studd, six ten, three sixty five from LA, in a fifteen grand body slam slash retire match. Andre, of course, had been goaded by Bobby the Brain Heenan and his family you know, just a few months before when they decided to cut his hair and anger the big man, if you will. And Andre actually was so irate how, on one of the shows how, that he told Vince McMahon by grabbing him literally by his throat shirt how, and told him if he ever said anything again, he would regret it. Well, Big John Sutton Bobby the Brain Heenan how, would regret it on this day. However, Andre however slammed Big John Sutton, won 15 grand dollars and kept his career going for a little longer, if you will. As a result, Big John Studd and Andre, of course, would also be in the same Heenan family a short time after this, much later down the road. But on this day, however, Andre is considered still one of the fan favorites, however, and as a result, however, he would end up defeating the big man from Los Angeles. Into our semi main event, we go into the first of the Rock and Wrestling Connection, ladies and gentlemen, and it pitted the women's champion Wendy Richter taking on Lolani Kai, if you will. Richter had won the title, of course, mind you, however, from the Fabulous Mula the previous July at the Garden, however, but only one month before this big event, however, Richter, of course, got screwed over, if you will, by Mula, by pulling the, having, as Mula pulled a fast one on Richter and her entourage of uh, David Wolf and Cindy Lauper, if you will. Shortly thereafter, Richter, Wolf, and Lopper demanded a rematch, however, against Moolah, but this time it was with a twist. Mula decided to send one of her young students, Lalane Kai, into battle, however, to take care of business who had won the title from Richter the month before and tell her to hold on to the title and dispose of Richter once and for all. Unfortunately, Richter did regain the belt. However, as the theme "Girls Wanna Have Fun" however was indeed resonating throughout the hallways of MSG on this day, and because of this, Wendy Richter however regained the belt once again. However, thanks to some help from David Wolf and Cindy Lauper, but it was sad to say, short-lived. Richter would be gone by the end of '85 and not return for a long, long time to the WWE because apparently, just like what had happened, however, with the whole incident involving, however. Uh, Montreal, however, it was a screw job that would be known as the MSG screw job involving Moula and Richter one final time before the end of the 1985 calendar campaign. And of course, it, it Moolah wearing an outfit known as the Spider Lady, which literally irated the fans and literally made Richter and her fans irate too because of the way she regained the title, of course, Moula at the time prior to losing the title to Richter, however, had held the belt at that time for an astounding, incredible 28 years. Go figure. And then we go to the big main event. The other one that really started off with the war to settle score, but actually began towards the end of 1984. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T taking on two of the most unique guys at their time. The Hot Scott himself. Roddy Piper, our third member of the NWA Starcade WrestleMania trio, if you will. And Mr. Wonderful, with their friend, The Ace, who hoped to have a few tricks up their sleeve and make fans irate, however, on this day and be pretty good at it. Almost tried to pull a fast one on The Hulkster, who was the WWE Champion, not even less than a year into his title reign, and his good friend, Mr. T, who had shown up, however, the previous month at the war to settle a score that's basically... Got into a brawl following the Piper uh, match with Hogan, however, at the war to settle the score, which was one of the highest-rated segments in wrestling television history on MTV and USA at that time. Because of this, however, the things between all four of them, however, settled into a big war, but we saw a lot of surprises in this one. Not just who was the ring announcer, Billy Martin. Not just because who the guest timekeeper was, Liberace, but who the referees were. Pat Patterson, and of course, the greatest of them all, the man who always said, however, he didn't care what people thought of him, the man who we tragically lost just a few years ago, Muhammad Ali. And yes, folks, there was intensity beyond words to describe this match, however, but at the end of the night, Hogan, Mr. T, and their friend Superfly, Jimmy Schnooker, were flying higher than anything before, however, and as a result, they defeated the Hot Scott and Mr. Wonderful, however, which would culminate, of course, with Piper and Order starting in a feud with each other, while Hogan and Mr. T, however, had the last laugh. So we thought, however, on Piper and Order. but of course, Piper and Mr. T would continue their feud with another Each other for another year plus or so, shortly after this, because Piper felt that T had cheated the year before when teaming up with Hogan, however, and he felt that this time, however, he demanded respect, however, after what T had deliberately given him no respect whatsoever the previous year. Yes, folks, WrestleMania 1 was a happening, if you will, and I can remember it now, just remembering today, reflecting upon it many years later, that it was indeed what would become a historical day, however overall, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would have to give this show about a 7.5, almost an 8 out of 10. There were some good moments, and there were some moments I thought could have been better. But yes, folks, WrestleMania was unique, however, and it would change pay-per-view, however, as we know it. So having said that, that is what I can say right now about the first WrestleMania.
1: There you go. Uh, thank you very much, RJD. Good review there, the very first one here. And and I'm Jim, JD well, I'm sure we'll have something to say about WrestleMania number twelve here in just a few moments, which also occurred on this day back in 1986. Uh uh apologize, I had to take care of a fit slow summit. I'm back on now. Now I also do see we have another gentleman here on the line here, and that is of course a 2000 or a 2017 WWS Hall of Famer. He's also uh two time and the current WWS United States champion the R ROH US World Champion and the ROH US Pure Champion, as well as a contributor to WCW Raw Radio, also known as the Heartbreak Kid. And of course if you if you um if you want to know his nickname name here other nickname here folks, you simply have to think about that in that great sixties sitcom uh, happy days where where that, of course, that infamous character just simply just went a little something like this. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Fonzie has made an appearance here on episode number ninety nine of Power Hour. Uh, Fonzie, welcome to the welcome here this afternoon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, and <clears throat> and then, then we get back into to a little bit of wrestling history before I turn JD loose once again on uh, on on, a, on his on his opinion thoughts and opinions here on WrestleMania twelve. Like we said, took place on this date back in nineteen ninety six. Uh, let's run, down, run this down one more time, rest of this one more time here. Fifteen years ago today, 2003, on Raw from Seattle, Washington, Kane and Rod Van Dam defeated the team of Lance Storm and Chief Morley, who, of course, we all know as Val Venus, and the Budley Boys, in a three-team elimination match to win the World Tag Team titles. It would be the eighth tag title reign for Kane, but the first for Van Dam in WWE. The show opened, though, with the firing of Stone Cold Steve Austin by then-Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff on, in quotation marks, medical grounds. As it turned out, the list of Austin's many ailments, including spending the night before WrestleMania at Harborview Hospital with an anxiety attack and his cervical spine issues, was indeed very real. Austin would officially announce his retirement in a WWE.com interview the next day, but he agreed to stay with the company in non-wrestling roles, something he has continued to do to this day. Also, the show this particular episode ended with the WWE debut of Bill Goldberg, who had last been who had been last seen in with WCW in February of '01, just before WCW's closing. Goldberg, who was getting $2.5 million annually under Time Warner, the then parent company of WCW. Took a buyout on the final five months of his contract. In his first act, he declared The Rock was next. He would end The Rock's full time career just a month later at Backlash. Ten years ago today, and everyone remembers this moment, 2008, Ric Flair reunites with Full Horsemen members Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, Arn Anderson, and Barry Wyndham in his farewell address on Raw from Orlando, Florida. This would be the first and only televised reunion of the most successful incarnation of the group until exactly, I do believe, uh, Uh, let me see here, Uh, five years later, I do believe, when the group was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, They were inducted in 13? They were inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think? No, 24. Or no. No, I'm trying to think. Uh, no, the player was in Suffolk. Right what is it two-timer? Uh, the regular player two-timer. Yeah. Right. but I think it was the horsemen themselves got inducted in... I can't remember. It was a couple years ago, I think it was. Uh, they said to like four years after this. So, yeah, 2012, that's right. It's so six years ago. They thought, they thought, well, that's why, no, I said thirteen though. Oh. So we'll check that out. We'll check that out. But of course later on they would the, the group would be inducted all all of them officially into the WWE Hall of Fame. But I remember Dusty Rhodes was the one that inducted all of them in there. Um, nine years ago today, which would put it at two thousand nine, Peter Senrincha, best known of course to wrestling fans as Taz, leaves WWE following his contract expiration. The ECW Triple Crown Champion twice over joined the WWF in late 1999 and debuted at the 2000 Royal Rumble with a submission win over Kurt Angle. He was involved in one of the most bizarre title changes in wrestling history when Taz defeated Mike Awesome, at the time contracted to WCW for the ECW World Title in April of 2000. He held it just for just over a week before losing it to Tommy Dreamer. With the injuries mounting, Taz became a color commentator. He juggled wrestling and commentating shortly after the brand split in 2002, where he became a commentator full-time. Most notably for SmackDown and also ECW, which began in 06. Despite Taz giving his notice, he offered to commentate WrestleMania 25, taking place less than a week later for free, but was turned down. He would join TNA later that summer and would commentate for them until leaving the promotion in 2015. Today he hosts, uh, I think he still does this, a daily podcast appropriately titled The Taz Show, Body Slams, and Beyond, with occasional episodes airing on CBS Sports Radio. Three years ago today, 2015, at a SmackDown taping in Fresno, California, Sheamus defeated Daniel Bryan via countout. It would turn out to be Daniel Bryan's last singles match ever, Two weeks later, Brian would once again land on, on the disabled list when he is injured on WWE's annual European tour. Brian would forfeit the IC title he'd won at WrestleMania 31 in May before retiring from in-ring competition in February of 2016. Two years ago today, in 2016, Christopher Darren Travis, or of course simply known as Chris Travis, dies of stomach cancer. He was only 32 years old. Born December 13, 1983, in Sheffield, England, Travis began wrestling in northern England. He wrestled primarily for Grand Pro Wrestling and Norton British Wrestling. In the late 2000s, Travis, as a part of Project Ego with Martin Kirby, would win tag team championships all over Europe, including 1PW, IPW, UK, Revolution Pro, and 3CW. In August 2012, Travis defeated Lionheart for the Preston City Wrestling heavyweight title. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. In October 2014, Travis, Travis announced he had been diagnosed with stomach cancer and was forced to take a hiatus from wrestling. Many wrestlers gave words of encouragement as Travis did. Charity worked to raise Funds for Cancer Research. Travis made a notable appearance for Insane Championship Wrestling in April 2015, but in a non-wrestling role. In June 2015, Travis announced he had beaten cancer and he would return to the ring. On August 7, 2015, Travis defeated Sha Samuels in his return bout. Two days later, Project Ego reunited to win the Southside Wrestling Entertainment Tag Team titles. Two weeks later, Travis had his highest profile match, which was a loss to Drew Galloway. Of course, we know him as Drew McIntyre the ICW World Heavyweight title, on September 6th at Progress Chapter 21, we don't want to use the sit-down gun, Travis defeated Marty School On September 21st, 2015, Travis announced that stomach cancer had returned and that he would retire from wrestling. The cancer, sadly, would claim his life on March 31st, 2016. You obviously said he was only 32 years old.
0: Who's that? Just a
1: hmm? Who's this again? Is, uh, Chris Travis is a wrestler from England. Oh, Sadly, okay. he, Yeah. Sadly, the cancer would claim his life on March 31st, 2016. Like we said, he was only 32 years old. Just a month before his passing, Travis married his longtime girlfriend. Oh, That's, wow. That is, yes. Tributes to Travis poured in from all over the wrestling world, and fans and pro wrestlers petitioned the WWE for him to be personally given the Warrior Award. Said long Yes. Said longtime cat tag team partner Martin Kirby following his passing, Kirby said this, sleep well, my friend, You're, you no longer need to suffer. In April 2016, Cody Rhodes and Tommaso Ciampa began Our Ladder, a fundraising campaign dedicated to raising money for Cavendish Cancer Care in Chris Travis' hometown of Sheffield, England. As we saw in Revolution last night, there, there is no birthdays here for the last day of March. Uh, so um, so there you have it there, folks, uh, with our wrestling history uh, for today. And before we get J.D. loose here, as, we, as he talks about the, the other WrestleMania that took place on this day, uh, let's give you this one more time. 1724 444 Call ID one four one pounds this is episode ninety nine of WWS power hour saturday march thirty first two thousand and eighteen mr ws Chad Hinshaw, the iceman Jared D Girolamo, the Rattlesnake and neil Patel, and the heartbreak kid Fonzie here with you this afternoon uh folks uh there's a little bit of a quick change here uh we will give an, we will give uh, a quick opinion here momentarily about uh all of our shows in this past week but but uh before we do that of course uh as as we did say, of course, there are two, or two WrestleMania's that took place on this date. JD gave a tremendous evaluation of, of one of them, of course, being the very first one, of course, back in 1985. And the second one that took place on this date was in 1996. It was WrestleMania 12. And uh, let's see, if, uh, let's, let's hear JD's assessment here on that particular pay per view, on that particular WrestleMania. JD, please go ahead.
0: WrestleMania 12, however, live from Anaheim, California, at the legendary Arrowhead Pond, now known as the Honda Center, was a very unique venue. And it was actually today, however, looking back at the calendar, which is crazy to think, however, was 22 years ago today. This was a few months before I graduated high school, and I started getting back into wrestling only a couple of years prior to that. That's side the point. Anyway, 18,853 packed into this venue, and they were in for a treat like none other. Considering the year before WrestleMania 11, however, had gotten a mixed review, how would WrestleMania 12, the 12th annual WrestleMania, hold up? Well, we'll tell you. In the first match of the night, which was on the pre show, currently called, called the Free For All, however, you had the Body Donnas, however, simply known as Skip and Zip, however the late Chris Candido, and Dr. Tom Pritchard, who would later become a trainer with the WWE, with Skip's girlfriend, Sunny, a.k.a. Tammy Fitch, taking on the Godwins of Henry O. Godwin and Phineas Godwin, who would later be known as Naked Midian, if you will, however, or Dennis Knight, if you will. He was also known as Tex Schlesinger at one time, however. Meanwhile, as far as Henry O. goes, however, well, he was simply known as Like I said, Shanghai Pierce, or the Master Blaster, if you will. Anyway, both of them are still around to this very day. Go figure. Sad to say, unfortunately, Candido is no longer with us, which is heartbreaking when you think about it, considering we lost him, believe it or not, 13 years ago, and at such a very young age, one month after his 33rd birthday, if you will. Anyway. In the end, the Body Donners, of course, won the tag team titles, however, because apparently the Smoking Guns, however, had to vacate their titles, however, due to Billy Gunn's suffering and neck injury. So that was your first match of the night. The second match, however, was very unique in its own way, as it was a six-person tag team matchup, however, consisting of the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Vader, Camp Cornette, if you will, taking on the... Uh, Snake Man himself, Jake Roberts Ahmed Johnson, however Mind you, and the late Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji Fuji, of course, however Three years before we know had done His thing, however, by going after the WWF World title and had won the title But now Yokozuna was starting to slow Down a little bit, however and His career would be kind of slowing Down too in the process, however It was shortly after this, sad to say However, Yokozuna, however Mind you uh, would realize this would be his last WrestleMania. In the end, however, he would basically uh, be out of wrestling by the end of 1996 into 97, however, because of personal weight issues. But we would never forget this big gentle man, however, who had a smile and also had an attitude to boot. Standing six foot four, 595 pounds, however, he passed away tragically and sadly three weeks after his 34th birthday. Known simply as Wild Samoan Coquina, or Coquina Maxis, however, he was definitely unique. He was a member of a true Samoan family. His, his cousins, of course, once moved off in Sika, were his uncles. He had two children, Justin and Kalani, however. And of course, as we said, however, a lot of people said at the time, however, that when he passed however, he died of a broken heart. And we can definitely say he died of just that, a broken heart. But besides the point, however, Yokozuna was indeed a unique wrestler in his own right. But on this night, he would also team up with Jake the Snake Roberts, who was competing in WrestleMania for the first time in a long time. Ahmed Johnson, simply known as, uh, like I said, uh, Big T later on, WCW, however, or Tony Norris, however, was a very unique guy in his own right. He also, at one time, tried out his luck in the NFL, but figured the NFL was not his cup of tea. In the end, the Bulldog and Cam Cornette came through with a victory, however, by basically burying Ahmed Johnson, the Snake Man, and Yokozuna in a pretty good opening contest. Up next, Roddy Piper, of course, as we said before, who was the first WrestleMania, was back again, however, taking on Goldust, however, with Marlena, a.k.a. Dustin Reynolds, in a match that was simply known as the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. This was okay, however, but it really wasn't anything Too great to shine about, but nevertheless, in the end, the hot scot, of course, would get a retribution on the man who had been basically driving Piper nuts, however, for months on end. The bizarre one who had come in, however, with his wife, if you will, the charismatic (laughs) gold dust, if you will. Sad to say, Piper would go to WCW by the end of the year, however, and not stick around, however, in the WWE, but would make one final return, however, to the company. Would make some more appearances, but on this night, however, Piper for a while, however, would be leaving for WCW shortly thereafter, however, mind you. This, of course, considering the fact, however, mind you, we would also see someone else show up, and we'll tell you about that in just a few minutes. Next, however, a guy who had been given the boot only the year before from WCW you Will, the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin, not our friend in El Patel, but Stone Cold Steve Austin, teaming up with Ted DiBiase, simply known as the Shockmaster, took on Savio Vega in a Caribbean strap match. And in the really? end, however, the Rattlesnake made his first WrestleMania, kind of a unique one. But it wouldn't be until later in the year that we would see Austin 316 take off and shoot upward, however. Austin was still floundering, but not by much, however, and was starting to get recognized a little by little, even though fans were not really receptive to him at first. In the end, he took care of Savio Vega. In one of the strangest matches of the evening, the Ultimate Warrior, however, who, of course would uh, not return to the WWE, however, following this matchup, took on the debuting of another former WCW guy who had come by way of uh, uh, fired. Of not being fired, but just leaving WCW as a whole. Hunter Hearst Helmsley with Sable, believe it or not. Yes, folks, Triple H's first ever manager before China was the charismatic Sable, who would later go on to manage her own husband, Mark Merrow, if you will, or Marvelous Mark Marrow, if you will. Hunter was not yet in a click with guys like Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, and Scott Hall. And thinking of Scott Hall, Scott Hall originally was supposed to be in this match, but because of personal issues with some uh, recreational use, however, he was suspended and he was basically given his, uh, a choice to either go to rehab and get himself clean and sober, or find himself on the outs with WWE. It wouldn't be long for However, that he would be on the outs with WWE However, as so he started looking at his future options Despite the fact that he was still the bad guy Razor Ramon However, Scott figured how it was time to look elsewhere However, Because even though he had been cheered by fans at times However, and most of the people had liked him And some people had had mixed reservations about him He felt it was time to go elsewhere And that's when he started beginning his really secret talks With Eric Bischoff and WCW About coming aboard And it wouldn't be long before he would take off And head off to Turnerland and bringing some friends with him at the same time. One of the people had already been there, a couple of them had been there before, but one of his main clickmates, if you'll to join, we'll tell you who that was later on down the road. But anyway, besides the point, the Ultimate Warrior, despite the fact, however, held up Vince McMahon for money, however, and Triple H was not yet, however, punished, however, even though that would come shortly a month and a half later, however, after this incident in Madison, in Madison Square Garden, however, and uh, basically uh, getting sent all the way back down to rock bottom. The Ultimate Warrior, however, drove Vince McMahon batty, no pun intended. As a result, however, the Ultimate Warrior, however, in one of his last appearances for a long time, however, would defeat Triple H, however, mind you, and basically walk out the door shortly thereafter, leaving the company yet again. The only thing was this time, he would not be back for quite a long time. Meanwhile, however, The Undertaker with Paul Bearer, oh yes, took on another one of Scott Hall's friends, if you will. Big Daddy Cool Diesel, Kevin Nash. Only the year before at WrestleMania 11, we had seen, however, a unique match with uh, two of the clickmates, are fighting each other for the WWE title. At the time, Diesel was not the champion, a.k.a. Kevin Nash, however. And was basically uh, just like Scott Hall, deciding his future and Fate too. The Undertaker, however, was starting to come more into his own by this point, but not quite getting up there just yet. He was still floundering, he wasn't floundering, I should say, but he was kind of up there in the upper echelon and starting to get recognized to being close to the main event, if not almost at the top of the brass ring, however, becoming in the main event with big names. And on this night, he took care of uh, Kevin Nash in what would be Kevin Nash's last WrestleMania for the next little while. However, Kevin Nash, of course, would leave with his friend Scott Hall, if you will, shortly after this. However, a few months later, however, but in Shawn's last—excuse me—not not, Sean. in uh, Kevin Nash's last WrestleMania, he fought a pretty good match, if you will, and tried to make things stick. However, if you will, however, and try to stop the streak, but unfortunately, he came up a little short. Like I said, however, for the most part, however, like I said, one person said it was actually really bad. In fact, Rob McNew uh, of 4Lamania, however, called the opening match of the show, which was the six person act, really good and gave it three and a quarter stars out of five. But he said, as far as The Warrior and Helmsley goes, however, mind you, however, it was the quote, funniest squash ever in history. Go figure. And then we went to the main event. Two guys who had known each other, however, through teammates and had been left by their teammates and now were fighting each other one-on-one. A grueling 60-minute iron match for the richest prize in the game and one of the most unique, charismatic titles of them all. It was Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart for the WrestleMania twelve Championship belt, however. And I think it's only fitting, however, if we can find it here. I'm just going to find it here. In fact, we'll play a small sample of it right now. This was Shawn Michaels coming into the Anaheim Pond here. just We'll get that here in a second. But this was how Shawn Michaels' entrance came into the fans. And indeed, Sean had made quite a splashy entrance, to say the least, with his trainer, Jose Lothario, against the hitman, Bret Hart, however. Both had trained their butts off and had worked their tails off to get to this point. When you look at Iron Man matches, all you have to do is go back to the Iron Man match of 89 at the Clash of Champions 6 with Steamboat and uh, Flair. And the other matches that followed that same year. The Clash of the Champions first match. And the Music City Miracle in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. But yes folks miracles do happen. And yes the boyhood dream finally came true for Shawn Michaels however. That night when he beat the Hitman however. In what was one of the best matches if not the match of 1996 that year. Between him and Brett. By the end of the year they would be splitting off in different directions. Sean, of course, was wondering about his future, even though his buddies had left him somewhat high and dry, and he had still had a couple buddies around. But, now that he was the champion, however, what would, would it be like? As for Bret Hart, he also decided his future, because a lot of people thought his future was pretty much up in the air, too. WCW started approaching him first off, and asked him, just like Sean, if he would mind not showing up in that company. Bret almost went, but did not, chose at the last minute, though, chose not to but that would not uh, change, that would, uh, what's the mm-hmm. word what I'm looking for, that would uh, kind of uh, be in the back of his mind, and that would change again the following year. But beside the point, these two guys actually stole the show at WrestleMania 12, and yes, WrestleMania 12 was not a bad show, i got to say, very good show, somewhat. The match of the night, without question, was this Iron Man match. And if you have never seen this Iron Man match, and if you're looking for one of the greatest matches of all time to go back and watch and relive again, I implore you to watch this. Because I think you'll be very impressed with two of the best of what they do. Two Hall of Famers. Two guys who held tag team titles. And yes, also held world titles. And two guys who were for, well, for best friends. Later became enemies and then became somewhat friends again, however, after what had happened only a year later. Case in point, I will tell you how one of the best DVDs to watch and know the more of the story about these two, however, is a video that WWE put out a, long, a few years back called Greatest Showdown, Sean vs. Brett. JR sat down with these guys and talked to these guys, however, for two and a half hours, and I can tell you, I might even go back to watch that sometime again. And it's been a while since so I've seen it, but that's beside the point. When it's all said and done, and they'll say again many years from now, even though it's 22 years later, however, and now we're almost into our 35th year of WrestleMania, what was one of the greatest matches of the 1990s? I would say this one, because all you can say is, not only was it a showcase as they always say for the immortals, it was a show that fans knew that slowly but surely, however, would be recognized as a great and powerful one. So that's all I can say about WrestleMania 12. It was indeed a powerful ma- uh, WrestleMania, but like I said, if you're looking for one of the top five, not one of the top, maybe whatever your list is, it doesn't matter how many matches you have listed, it doesn't matter where this ranks in your list. This is one of my favorites. And I know, like I said, I will never get tired of watching this because these two guys showed what wrestling was all about then. And they showed what one of the greatest main events
1: was all about that same night, too. <laughs> Thank you very much, Uh, J.D. And unfortunately,
0: on that note, I have got to go. I'm sorry because there's some things that are important. But we also know that the Final Four is just about to start. Guys, enjoy the Final Four. Have a great Easter. I will catch with you guys. If not tomorrow, then I will see you guys Monday because Monday, oh, baby, we're going to start WrestleMania week with, no pun intended, a big bang. Uh,
1: Yes, sir. Thank you Thank you very much there, J.D. We do appreciate that, (coughs) and we'll talk at you here over the uh, on Monday. All right. See you guys later. Take care. and as as ladies and I do thank the Iceman Jerodomo for bringing us his uh, his take on both the first and the twelfth WrestleMania which occurred respectively on on this date here between excuse me excuse me, nineteen eighty five and nineteen ninety six in, in indeed. Um, also, we, the Rouse and Neil Patel did have to also leave as well, but we do thank him for coming on as well. Um, also, ladies and gentlemen, and of, and of course, uh, as for our recap of all of our shows this week, uh, pretty much, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, all uh, several title changes, se- several title changes did take place, um, including, of course, last night. Uh, I think last night Fonzie, I'm sure you would agree, was probably one of the biggest, and Fonzie had to leave as well. Uh but of course uh the last kicker Henry Rickenbach uh get <clears throat> getting by the human Super machine John Gross to pick up the E C W U S World T V title. Um of course um after of course her, her uh rounds with the NWA US world title, um I think she did lose that belt earlier in the in the, earlier in this week to the Iceman. Um but uh but I guess you could, we can all safely say here, folks, that uh, like I said, that the last kicker, Marie Rickenbach, has come through in this in our trivia championship series, and I do believe at some point down the road, uh, uh, she is she's going to be uh, she's she's also along with the Iceman and King NWO and the Black Widow and the Heartbreak Kid and everyone that she's going to be a, definitely a force to be reckoned with in our trivia championship series. Uh, on that note, here, folks. Also, uh, <clears throat> with with or of course, with a little bit now, a little bit past six o'clock here, uh, we're going to go ahead and call it a day here on WWS Raw Radio. Which, which of course, like I said, was this feature our wrestling history for today, and also also JD with his analysis of both WrestleMania One and WrestleMania Twelve. I do want to thank the Ice Man Jericho, Rollins, and Neil Patel, and the Heartbreak Kid Fonzie for coming on here with me and helping me out here this afternoon. On, of course, one episode away from the century mark of Power Hour, episode number ninety-nine, uh, tomorrow night, of course, between nine and ten o'clock. I'll be sure, ladies and gentlemen, to check out, the, listen up, listen to my uh, promo for all of our shows here of the coming week. Um, and of course, also, ladies and gentlemen, I will let you know at the uh, on the page entitled Ultimate Movie Trivia Challenge, there is a question, a trivia question that's been posted right now. Uh, with of course those who would get the correct answer, we could get an opportunity to, to fight in a fatal four-way match for the Ultimate Movie Trivia Challenge World Heavyweight Title. <clears throat> and we have so we've had a couple people respond here for, uh, so, so far, and uh, we're not going to reveal if whether or not they are correct or not until you know we do have a third person to uh, answer that question. Uh, but of course this is this is to earn an opportunity to go after the human super machine John Gross, like we said, in a fatal four way match for the UMTC uh World Heavyweight title. So be sure to go to the Ultimate Movie Trivia page and uh if you know the answer to that question know that you could have you could be invited to come on W C W S outside the Ropes and, and be involved in a fatal four way for in a Movie, in a movie Jeopardy set up here for the Ultimate Movie Trivia Challenge world title. So on that note here, folks, we do thank you here for joining us here for Episode 99 of WWUS Power Hour. For the Iceman, Jared D. Jualamo, the Heartbreak Kid Fonzie, the Rattlesnake and Neil Patel, and the rest of our panel, Way Too Tough to Handle, this is Mr. WWUS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you very much for joining us here today. And we'll talk at you here during our promo here tomorrow night. And also, of course, all of our shows coming up here in the Radio Network, including of course, J.D. did give us a hint uh, about Raw Radio. Of course, will be coming up here when we start our big-time discussions about WrestleMania coming up next weekend. Power Hour is a broadcast of the WS Radio Network right here on talkshoot.com where we are two years older and continuing to be bolder. The Radio Network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection, also your pop culture connection as well. Take care of yourselves, folks, and each other. We'll definitely see you in the ring and also on the red carpet. <clears throat> Let's see, and as always, here in the in the WWS Radio Network, God bless everyone. Take care, <clears throat> and we will talk at you here soon. Have a good have a good afternoon, here, folks. The rest of your weekend, and also, ladies and gentlemen, have a very safe and fun Easter weekend. Take care and God bless.